Welcome to episode 132 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we played Dead Cells. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Are never ending. Have to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCourt, and today I have two friends with me. The first friend, you know him, you love him. His name is Michael Ruffalo. I'm excited to talk about a very good game. And here to talk about a very good game with us, uh, he is the host and co host of many different podcasts that he will tell you about in a. No, are you no, just a host? No, there's too many. Co host? There's so many of them. Uh, Adam Gumbert, welcome to the show. Let's go. Let's get that energy level up. You guys are playing around. We have to get excited about this very good video game. So good. Video games. Uh, tell us about the things that you do. Oh, man, I do so many things. You can. Uh-huh. Number one thing, just follow me on Twitter at Adam Gumby. But I do Respawn Aim Fire, which is a video game weekly news podcast. I do Isle Mr. Rolls, which is a D&D actual play podcast. I do ECG, which is like a talk pop culture podcast. Come check me out on Twitter at Adam Gumby and follow my podcast and Give me a download, please. Be there. If you want to listen to something that connects these two audiences, I was recently on uh, Respawn Aim Fire. Uh, they did a Far Cry 6 episode, and it was me and Adam. So if you want a good intro to what he does, that's probably a great spot to start. But Michael, take the man through the gauntlet. The gauntlet. Jake, this is where you cut in the gong sound gong. effect. Okay, perfect, perfect. <laughs> All right, so for the listeners who uh, have not been listening to the past couple episodes, this is something we've always done behind the scenes with our guests, uh, and now we're letting you in on it. Adam, I'm going to take you through a series of questions to help the audience get to know you a little bit better. Um, something like four or five questions are going to come at you hot. Don't think about them too much, but, you know, think about them. Can do. Perfect. Okay, first question. What's a game you did not expect to enjoy, but you did? Dead Cells. Oh, very <laughs> timely, very timely. What's on the flip of that? What's a popular game that everyone else seems to love, but you don't? Um, most Nintendo games. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Is there one in particular that you're like, this is doo-doo? Breath of the Wild. Oh, wow. Michael, you going to throw hands? No, but I just, I feel like we need to carve out some time after this podcast to understand. Mm, absolutely. I, I need to know. Um, what is the first game you remember playing? Uh, Probably Pokemon Yellow, I think. Okay. I'm was sure that's the first one you got? That. That's the first one I cared about. Yeah, I'm sure I played that Mario Duck Hunt double pack, but I cared about Pokemon first. For sure. So. For sure. Um, what is your most controversial gaming opinion? Metal Gear sucks. Not even. Oh, okay. I'm so with you. <laughs> like I've, I've been, <laughs> it's, I've been fighting off these nerds with spoons coming at me for the past couple of years. Every time I say it, yeah. Metal Gear is anime, but it's good anime. No, there's a such thing as bad anime. There's a lot of bad anime. There's, Metal Gear is bad anime. <laughs> this is oh, Adam, we're so we're so aligned aside from the Breath of the Wild thing. Yeah. But like the most anime is trash. But there are all these weebs out there who think that like because there's really good anime. That like oh all anime is so good. Mm-hmm. Ask but, me what I was doing before we recorded. Oh god, what were you doing? I was watching anime. Yeah. Anyway, continue, Mike. <laughs> um, let's see. I think I've got one more for you, and that's what or who got you into video games? Mm, probably the school kids. The school, the kids on the schoolyard at recess 
playing with their rocks and their Game Boys. Okay, Game Boys <laughs> are what did it. Was that your first console? Uh, no, I had an NES gifted um, before that, but I didn't care about it until at that point. Then I, I liked the Game Boy, and then the first console I ever bought was an N64 and an Xbox on the same day. Amazing. Wow. Amazing. That, that is a hell of a, hell of a buy, hell of a combo. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, this is not a show about uh, an N64 and the Xbox. This is a show about Dead Cells. Uh, developed by Motion Twin and Evil Empire, published by Motion Twin and Playdigis? Playdigis. It's available on everything, Android, PS4, iOS, Switch, Xbox One, Mac, Linux, and Windows. Uh, Originally released on May 10th of 2017. Let's start with the fast pitch, a one-sentence description of the game we're about to talk about. Who wants to give that description first? I'll I'll go. Go for it. Go for it now. I got it. Dead Cells is a Roy... Roguevania 2D action platformer that is perfect. Yes, very, it's a very good description. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Mike, go next. Uh, I would say it's a Souls-like Metroidvania, Metroidvania in the platformer structure. Oh, God, guys, I don't... You can do it, Jacob. I don't know if I can... Just build ah. on it. Just build. Um, It is a fun-to-play Metroidvania... That I have takes on. Oh man, that's. I think you can already not, tell how people feel about this, and it's it's a two to one right now. Yeah, I usually come in hot with passion, and passion is not a thing I have here. But we are going to keep it going here with the time capsule. Uh, let's talk about the original release of this game and what came out around it. Uh, Mike, I, I know you've got some some goodies uh, queued up, so set the scene. Okay. Dead Cells comes out in 2017. Spring? Sorry, 2018. Was what? it? I know. I'm pretty sure it's spring of 2017. What did my date say? Oh, I said the wrong date. Originally released on August 7th of 2018. Okay. So let me fix that and say. Um, so set the scene, Mike. 2018. Hold what up. was happening let's, in gaming? Let's double check that. Uh, it's August 7, 2018. I just fucked up. Or did I? F- or hold on. We need to look at this. Did it? Why did why does it say May 10? Did it get released in early access? That's probably the thing. Cuz if it's early access then ah, early access, that's why. So let's let's just stick with that. Just so you don't have to go and redo your research. So let me let me start over again. Um, let's keep going here. Mike, I know you have some goodies to help set the scene. This game was released in early access in May of 2017. What was happening in the gaming industry around that time? So I think this was, this was probably now that I'm looking back on it, this was the moment where where I think roguelikes started to become more mainstream because this is when hollow Knight comes out. And at the same time, Dead Cells is released in some capacity. And Dead Cells has been getting, I think, quarterly updates at the very minimum um, since release. It has just had new versions all the time. In the course of playing this for the podcast, I think I've seen three different like versions of the game. Wow. Through. And it always has different balance patches. So, um, sorry. I will take a step back before I get into all of the ways that this game is amazing. Um but yeah, other games that came out at this time, I think we're looking at What Remains of Edith Finch. Uh, Ooh, think, good. You know, I think we're looking at uh, A Night in the Woods. Yep. Um, I think we're looking at what other games came out at that time? Tekken 7. What else comes to mind? 2017 games? 
Um, I think there was a Resident Evil, I'm sure. Yep, you you said Resident Evil 7 came out around that time. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Breath of the Wild, Cuphead, PUBG. Um, some of these yes, we so played on the podcast. Bangers. Some bangers. Some bangers. And the year following this, we get Hades. So I think if anyone listened to our previous episode, we're, we're doing a, a roguelike month with, I think, the games that are compared the most. So it's, it's hard to have this conversation without also talking about Hades, but I think mm-hmm. it's going to make it that much richer. So either, either way, um, get, get some experience with both because I think it's going to enrich your experience listening to this. So um, we talked a little bit about the, the space. Um, I think what I'd like to do before we jump into it is um, we know a little bit, Mike, from our Hades episode, what your experience is with roguelikes. So I'll start with Adam here. What is your experience with roguelikes? I've played all of, basically all of the popular ones, except for the one that started it. I think a lot of people point to um, Binding of Isaac. It's kind of like the modern, like, reimagining and bringing that genre back into focus. And I, that's one I have not played, but I have played Hollow Knight, played Hades, I mean, even Returnal, um, because this game, a lot of those roguelike games, I have played a good amount of them. And more recently, I wasn't a fan at the time they came out, but then this whole awesome thing called game pass came out and i was like hold on let me check these games out and then it's like oh these are these are great so i played basically all of them except for binding isaac because it was just before my time michael what's your experience like with roguelikes yes so i think also in large part because of game pass which is undefeated i might add um i i've also started to play more roguelikes lately um and i think the first one that i probably had ever played was binding of isaac but I did not get sucked in in the way that I think other people did. I was a much mm-hmm. bigger fan of, of Meat Boy. Um, and then ended up playing FTL. And then, yeah, only only games more recently, like Hades and Dead Cells and um, a couple minutes of Hollow Knight. Yeah, I, I would say that I am kind of a like amateur to it I, i've played a couple of them i've played more of the like card based roguelikes oh, um nice. you know slay the spire dicey dungeon uh, but i've touched some of these other ones i adore hades and um a few others uh into the breach i couldn't get into ftl i liked um but dead cells is a game that i enjoyed um but i i definitely want to want to get into it a little bit more with y'all um, how did you play this game? Uh, I bought it on Switch and was playing it probably 50-50 dock versus uh, portable. Uh, no particular call-outs about either version. They worked great, um, but I'd love to see what it's like on a on a real console because mm-hmm. I felt like occasionally I'd get like just a little Itchy. hiccup when I was playing on Switch. I found the same thing. So I played it on the Xbox. I would also point out another example of Jacob buying games he didn't need to because he's got Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I also had a couple of moments where you could tell the game was like processing a lot of stuff that I was throwing at it. A lot of explosions, a lot of poison effects, a lot of f- people freezing, uh, and it got a little bit hitchy, some frame drops, but by and large, no real issues really enjoyed it. Yep. And I had played initially on Xbox one S back in the day. And then you guys invited me for the podcast. So I got back, back into it on Xbox series X in Dolby Vision, baby. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. How'd it look? So nice. It looks fan. Everything looks great in Dolby Vision. I literally didn't think there was a difference between Dolby Vision and HDR. And I was like, oh, no, there's a difference. <laughs> it looked fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I played Hades in, in, in Dolby Vision. And I was like, ooh, these 4K assets just on my TV. A little it's tastier. A little, little, little more delicious, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
So uh, I think, Adam, you called this a roguevania because it takes a roguelike and a metroidvania and puts them together, smashes them together. Um, set the scene. How is this also like a Souls game? I mean... Uh, so many words. Yeah. It's Souls, I think, sort of where you just... I don't know if it's a Souls thing or a roguelike thing where you go at these same things over and over again and you learn patterns and the game can be very difficult and punishing if you don't pay attention to what you're supposed to do. So, like... People play with shield. I think higher level people play with shields, but when you're starting out, it's like you got to use that roll button, or you're just gonna get dumped on, and that's a very Souls thing to do. It's like you can kill these guys easy if you pay attention and don't get hit, and I think that's where the Souls, the combat is sort of like a two D Souls ish, I would think. Yeah, and I think it's it's also very similar in that every enemy you defeat gives you essentially one more soul, and it's also you know a currency you use to to buy things and level up and and all of that. Um, I think the only thing that isn't like a Souls game is that when when you die, um, you don't have the ability to go back and get those souls. Um, it has the similar Estus Flask mechanic. It's got all all of all of the trappings I think of a Souls game, and that it's also kind of brutally punishing, especially when you meet an enemy for the first time and you don't know what they're gonna do. Um, but then. You know, as you get further, it you're like, oh, this guy's easy. I know I just need to roll here, stab him in the back, freeze him, and then, you know, go on my day. I played about 12 hours of this game, and I know what you guys are going to say is, that's not enough time to beat the game, and you would be right, um, because uh, this game is, is punishing. And I know that before, um, I've been talking about, like, how I love Hades and how this game is, is good, but it's maybe just a little bit difficult for my tastes. And Adam, I think you were calling me out in Discord saying like, yo, if you beat Hades, how come you can't beat this game? Yeah, I, I yes. gave you a little little bit of a ribbing for that one. It's funny you say 12 hours and you didn't beat the game. I was looking back in my stats when I first started when we replayed. Um, and it said, so when I started playing for this time for the review, said I had done seven runs before. And the hours was, you know, each run is, you know, anywhere from 30 to 45, 50 minutes, I think, if you clear, you know, not going fast. Um, and I've cleared this game twice already in, you know, five hours. So it shocks me that you've played it for 12 and a half. I'm not calling you out. <laughs> I'm just, it's because you've beaten Hades more than I have. Like I've cleared it once and I stopped and you've done multiple mm. clears and it's just, I don't know. They're very similar. It's just interesting that you have more trouble with this game than you do Hades, which I personally find Hades more difficult. Mm-hmm. I also cheese this game because there's a way to cheese it. So, but whatever. There, there are some ways to cheese it. But I, I totally agree. I was surprised that Jacob didn't have the, the, the distance in this or like the connection like he did with Hades. Um, primarily because you beat Hades how many times? Like sixteen, twenty, twenty-ish. Oh, like way more. I, I beat it like yeah. once or twice. You know, like yeah. I barely got through it. Um, but I, I think, I think it highlights one of the big differences for me in this game. That in my experience of playing Hades, it, you know, I liked it a little bit less at the end, which was that, you know, as you as you beat your head against runs of Hades, you just get more darkness. And then you use that darkness to, like, fill up your, your mirror and make everything easier along the way. And that doesn't, that isn't really the same case in Dead Cells where... When you get those cells and you spend them, it's more to just unlock more things for you to be able to use or to do. It gives you more options, but it doesn't necessarily make your character any stronger. You're still the the same character. In fact, you're likely to get more weapons that have as like a greater downside as much as they have upside. 
as you expand the pool of weapons available, you're going to have more weapons that you just actually never want to touch um, as much as you have, you know, really strong OP weapons that you can make a great build with. So um, I was also very surprised at first, but at the same time, knowing Jacob doesn't like Souls games, I also felt that there was a good chance that this is the one that he was going to bounce off of out of the two. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that it's just the the combat is very punishing in this game. And that's not a bad thing. I think that's just like different tastes for different people of, you know, there are some enemies that if you are not careful, they can take you down and it's not like the boss. It can be like you're on the second or third level and you aren't paying attention exactly and someone takes two swipes and two thirds of your health is gone. Uh, If you don't have your flask full, then it's an even more nightmarish time. So I would say right off the top, like this is my take on it is I like Dead Cells. I do. Um, I just think that the um, the combat is more punishing when compared to some other roguelikes. Even something like a rogue legacy. Like, I think that this this combat is definitely more punishing than something like a rogue legacy as well. Not a bad thing. Different strokes are different folks. And you're just not that folk. That's not that's not me. I'm not that folk. But uh, <laughs> this game doesn't have a lot in the in the sense of lore. Uh, it's really just like the setup is the setup is really you guys are making faces. Mm, the setup is really it. minimalistic. I don't think you got this, there. Okay, well, the the plot, the setup is just very, like, simple. It's like, hey, you were a man, you're dead, you're a blob, enjoy the world. But please, tell me I'm wrong. I'll, I'll wrong. jump it real quick. Um, the thing, because we go, you know, we play Hades and Death Souls back to back. Hades is a roguelike built on the narrative. Everything does narrative. Dying goes for the narrative. Completing stuff goes for the narrative. Narrative, narrative, narrative. That's what that game does, which is great. This game is more like a Souls game where you need to... Um, like go through the world, find little context clues in the world, and actually beat runs, and then you get story back after that. So where Hades, I think, is narrative first and gameplay second, this one is the opposite, where it's gameplay first and narrative second. So there is a narrative there, but you honestly don't really find out much until you clear your first run. And then it's like, oh, there's a lot, but you have to clear that first run, which can be kind of tough. So it's there, but it's it's the flip-flop of Hades, so I can see why it seems like there's not as much. I think you nailed it. I think you absolutely nailed it. And that, like, not to say that Hades gameplay is lacking, but I think Dead Cells is definitely gameplay first. And the thing that pulls you through Hades run after run after run is you're learning a little bit more about the story. You're understanding the characters a little bit better. You're seeing how things progress. And I give Hades a ton of credit because that just seems like an absolute nightmare to figure out and seemed like an impossible thing to do conceptually. So all the props in the world to them. But Dead Cells feels so much more to me like Half-Life 2 in that you are walking through the world and more of the story is around you. There's just more environmental storytelling. You go into a new biome, which is essentially how this game is broken up into different levels, and each biome has its own like narrative piece. As you load into it, there's a loading screen that says something It'll say something to the effect of, in the early days of the rioting, the soldiers condemned this wing and threw all of the dead bodies into it. Or, you know, there was, they they let the sewers to themselves and no one's been down here for a hundred years or something like that. And you just, you build up more and more. You break into a prisoner's cell and you read some of the writing on the wall. You find uh, an empty little basement piece and you see that there's this giant door that's just been caved in with slime all around it and there's just more and more pieces as you move through where you're able to start piecing it together 
but it never hits you over the head with like a series of text boxes that you need to read to move on to the next thing, which I, I understand our chief gun officer is not here, but I am so <laughs> I thinking of Mo freaking flabbergasted that I could not get this man to play this game because it is the game designed for him. He require it requires zero reading and it's all about the insane variety of weapons mm-hmm. and he could not do it. So anyway, and the insane variety in like the different biomes that you play in, uh, you know, I only saw, you know, some of the biomes, but even the biomes that I saw um, were varied and just had a lot of life to them. They each have their own little ecosystem of enemies. I think there are always, I think as you progress, the like base level enemy changes. But mm-hmm. um, I think like when you start, you end up finding a lot of these, they kind of look like rat people with bows and arrows. Um, but as you clear the first one, they end up being replaced by these kind of radioactive guys that will launch themselves at you um, that are, that are you know, like greenish yellow. And then there's another set that are like purplish pink who will throw bombs at you. Um, but each biome has its own like unique take uh, on of, of enemies on top of that. And you can see how they like all fit into the environment that they're in. And the even and- crazier thing is... Once you get runs, there's a, a mechanic in the game called, uh, is it boss cells, I believe? Yes, yes. Where modifiers, where it makes the game harder and harder to get the the true ending of the story. And you click one of those on and your enemies change up from the beginning of the game. So each biome now has different enemies based on the difficulty you've added onto it. So it's one of the craziest things because I didn't, I didn't, un- so I've been w- watching a bunch of YouTube content along the way as I was playing this, trying to figure out where I was going wrong. Why was I not able to complete a run? Um, And almost all of the content out there was like Dead Cells 5 BC. And I was like, I have no idea what this means. Maybe this is a version of the game. And as I completed my first boss one, I realized, oh, 5 BC means this is five boss cells. This is like the hardest you can make the game. And I was just so enamored watching these videos because there were not only insane enemies that I had never seen anywhere else, but use in, of, of weapons and powers and gameplay that I had never even imagined. There is like such a rich community for this game online and so much variety. I think one of the things, again, not to not to audish on Hades at all, but one of the things that I felt when I was playing <laughs> Hades was a little disappointed how quickly I got to the end and how uh, how little variation in enemies there were. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really felt playing dead cells was that like there are just a bajillion different types of enemies and the game is just holding back until you start making it further before they throw stuff at you that you're not able to you know learn how to deal with um i i remember watching youtube video and seeing uh, an enemy that looks like a sentinel from x-men and i re- i remember looking at it like oh my god this looks like a boss in its own right like i can't wait to fight this thing and yeah, I'm still not there, but I know I will continue to play this until I do. And I, I think it's fair to say, like, there's um, tons of variety um, because of, like, there's 25 different biomes. So if you compare Hades and, and this game, um, Hades is, like, four biomes with a lot of rooms within those biomes, whereas there are 25 different ones that you can you can take, like, a main path, but then there are other kind of different ways to get to or get from the prison quarters at the start of the game all the way to the throne room at the end. Absolutely. And I love how the game changes 
its enemies based on how you get closer and closer. Like, you know you're going to be fighting the right hand of the king or something along those lines when you get to the very end. Um, And as you get closer and closer, the enemies look less and less like they're creatures from the sewer and more and more like they're the guard. You know, that they're just waiting there to, to fight you. Did you have a particular favorite biome Well, like through playing? I didn't see everything, but Ramparts for me like felt very much like... Um, oh, what's that trilogy of um, oh, real-time strategy games? Uh, I'll think of it, but... Um, I do just love the me, Ramparts. Yeah, it gave me some real, real good vibes. I don't know. Did you guys have a favorite? Adam, you go first. Uh, let's see. So... Going through this next run, again, there's so much stuff. I was actually going to buy the DLC because I was having such a good time. There's a place called the, I think it's the Insufferable Crip, something Crip. Something like that, yes. Um, where there's a boss fight that I had no idea was a thing until I was going through the wiki because I was like, I want to unlock every power in this game, and there's one I didn't have yet. And it was like, oh, you got to go to the Insufferable Crip. You got to start going through the Toxic Sewers, then you go through the Ancient Sewers, and then you get to the Insufferable Crip. And then you go to another place after that to get the power. And I was like, all right, I'll go check this out. And you just like open a door, you kick it open, it locks behind you, and then you basically fight a beholder from D&D. And I was like, this room is just, it, the monster is chained against the walls and it moves around and does a bunch of eye and teeth attacks at you. I'm like, this is dope. It's <laughs> so cool. It's so cool. Um, I Banner I, Saga was the game I was talking about mm, also. Ramparts like, oh, reminded me of Banner Saga. That's a, that's a, good, that's a good pick. Um, I really did like the Ramparts. Ramparts felt great. I think the other one that felt similar to the ramparts that I liked a bit more was the clock tower because it just you just feel like you're at the very top of a castle and you're you know moments away from falling to your <laughs> falling to your death. Um, but yeah, I, I love I love the feeling of being really high up above. And there were moments where I thought the 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 sewers were fun. Like I think I found a pendant that made me heal instead of take damage from any of the poison. Uh, poison gas or liquid in the sewer um so i was like oh this is this is pretty fun i'll play this a bit more but yeah on the whole anything where i felt like i was at the top of a castle and where the people were as opposed to where the dead bodies were i was game and the lighting effects on the clock tower are just like phenomenal so good so good jacob how far did you make it what what do do you think the the farthest (sighs) biome was for you uh i beat the uh first boss in the game um, one time. Uh, so I beat the concierge one time. So that means that I only got past the black bridge one time. But that's okay. You did not get to a point where you had unlocked multiple versions of your Estus flask. You didn't get to a point where you unlocked a bigger purse every time you start the game to have more money with it. I, I did, oh, okay. but um, because I probably did, like no joke, like 30 runs... Because my runs were always like, no, probably more than that. Because my runs were never more than like 20 minutes long. Mm. Uh, because I couldn't get past the Black Bridge. Um, but I, I did unlock like recycled, the recycle power. I unlocked, I think, the ability to bring 500 gold back with me every time I died. And I unlocked some of the weapons to start. Um, but I, I think it's fair for you to say that like you probably only saw like a sliver of the content. Yeah, yeah. there's so much in this game. I will say... That area right after the concierge. So what is it? It's Blackbridge. Then it's Stilt Town or Stilt Tower yes. or yep. something Stilt like that. Stilt Village, yep. Stilt Village, my least favorite biome. Not because it's badly designed, but because it's, that is, to me, is the most difficult biome in the game. Mm. 
There's just a lot of people who poison middle. and cheese you, and it's right there in the uh, middle. Yeah. I, I, is, that's the one where the guys are carrying the cannon around. It's like the, right? the pirate dudes are yes. holding around cannons and I stuff. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're like chunky, they're tanks, and they hurt so much. Um, I, yeah, I definitely found that one sucked. I also didn't like the distillery district. Um, because there were just a bunch of guys shooting barrels at you. <laughs> Felt like Donkey Kong, but not fun. How many hours do you think you've put into this, Mike? Because I think that Adam walked you through it, and I did, but, like, you're going to surprise me and say you played 50 hours of this game? I have definitely played 50 hours of this game. Wow. Yeah. you know, And you know what it is? It's like, I have... It's been such a great pick-up-and-play... I've got time for one run. I don't even need to complete the run because I can just pick it back up later. Um, it, it It's just such an easy, mindless game that I can put a podcast on in the background and and just go um, because it's not demanding any of my like attention for a narrative or voice acting or, or anything other than reading or slashing these guys. Um, so yeah, I, I, I feel like I put in a good amount of time, but just very easily and very passively. What about you, Adam? Uh, total time probably around ten ish plus hours. I don't know exactly because you know I read how many runs I had at the beginning, and then I played a bunch this past weekend. So maybe ten to twelve somewhere in there. Um, wow! But I like it a lot, and I want to go mm-hmm. back and buy the DLC and keep playing the game. Uh, okay. So help maybe help me get better. Um, there are tons of different weapons that you can get in the game that you can pick up. What is the best strategy for getting through this game? I'll go ahead and do that. I so I made a list while I was playing. And I will tell okay. you the way to cheese the game early on. Again, okay. the number one thing is you need to upgrade that flask just because mm-hmm. it helps you a lot. Um, so here are my tactics that that I wrote down for playing Dead okay. Cells. Always roll. Again, don't oh. even bother taking a shield early. Just roll. Just roll away. Roll, 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 roll. Um, there are two, um, uh, I think they're called equipment or, or items or something like that. You know, like your grenades, your freeze bombs, blah, blah, blah. There's a thing called a sinew slicer and a crossomatic. <laughs> you know, whatever number that they put on it. You put them down on the ground, and then when you're close to them, they open up and they shoot both ways at enemies. What you mm-hmm. do is you, you get one in each slot. So you get two, basically, you know, towers, and you throw them up at people, and then you just, like, dip underneath just a little bit, and then they'll just kill the enemies for you. You literally don't even have to fight people if you have those two items. Um, That is 100% the way I got through my first round. I'm like... A crossbow matic over there, send you slicer there, I'll stand up here and they just kill the bosses for yes. you. Um uh you have to clear the game for this one, but once you clear the game a first time, you get a special power. I believe it's called um oh homunculus or something like that. Where you can uh you know your little head that you put in your bodies, you can detach <laughs> yep. it and move it around the level. If you detach it and put it in an area where your body isn't and attach an enemy, it will slowly kill them. You literally Get out of here. For walking. Yeah, you don't have to walk no in the No way. You can slowly kill someone in another room. I had no idea you could do that. Yeah, it's really cool. And whips are great. Whips are fantastic. Yes. Use the electric whip. That's an early uh, game weapon. Electric whip and then the sinew slicer and crossbow matic You'll clear it. I guarantee it. Yes. I think okay. that's great yes. advice. I think the, the other element that for me was like, uh, no duh, but um, <laughs> was not something I originally did was your when as you move through each biome, I think there's at least two scrolls in each biome that you can grab. Um, mm-hmm. And the scrolls allow you to upgrade one of three different areas. You can upgrade brutality, tactics, or something. Survival. That, survival, exactly. So it's either red, purple, or green. 
And in a lot of cases, you'll end up, you know, upgrading the one that matches the color of your weapons and ends up, you know, increasing the power of it. Um, but then when you get the next one, you'll be like, oh, well, if I get this, if I get one of the others, it'll give me an extra 70% health instead of an extra 30% health for the one I just got. This game is all about stacking the the one type that you get from the beginning. If you can oh. stack as much, let's say red or green or purple as you can, because what ends up happening is each successive scroll will give you less health, uh, but it will still give you plus 15% damage. So it just becomes an exponential curve of how much damage those abilities do or weapons do over time, where you can get to a point where it's a one-hit kill or touch on an enemy, and even the the big hardest to, to defeat ones, and you don't really have to like sweat it much. the The more you spread it out, the harder it becomes. Yeah, I think that's definitely like probably my biggest mistake in what we've already talked about because I usually don't put all three uh, different types, but I if I have a weapon, let's say that has uh, two of the different uh, characteristics to it, I will split my scrolls between those two. So I pick up a sinew slicer, it's got purple and red, that means I'm splitting my purple and red, and it sounds like not reaching my full damage poten- potential, even though my HP is probably higher than yours would be. Absolutely. And then and then like going along with that, if you've got a plus, I don't know, like 4,000% because you've gotten a bajillion of the you know scrolls of that color, it would make more sense for you to grab all of the tactics, equipment, you know, different elements of that same color so that way everything you have is strong um except um you know except i didn't do that at the beginning i ended up just grabbing the weapons that i felt most comfortable with um it also has some really good like environmental things so if an enemy's standing in water and you've got electrical ability you can zap everybody in the water or if you have a freezing ability and they're in the water it blocks them solid um, so it's it's pretty smart in the way it does that, and that's also something to just keep in mind. I think, Jacob, if you were to grab something like, I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's essentially an ice beam um, mm. that just freezes everyone, that makes the game so easy mode because the enemies aren't moving. <laughs> it basically gives you just free reign to tackle anyone you want without much much effort. Are you talking about like the ice grenade? Because I typically would pick the ice grenade up um, but it, I don't know. It, it didn't help me maybe as much. And I think it's maybe because of my choice of weapons. Uh, it sounds like shield is important. I never took shield. Don't take shield I, early on. It's, it's yeah. a, it's a higher level thing. Honestly, I did mm-hmm. not take shields early on either. I, I wish that I had learned how to parry sooner, just like breath of the wild. Maybe that's where we're at, Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely was like super aggro right from the beginning. I was like, grab two weapons and figure out how to do it. And that's one of the things that we didn't talk much about, but that's one of the ways that this game differs a lot from Hades or Hades. You're picking one weapon for the run. Um, dead cells is all about, we're going to throw a b- bunch of weapons at you, a bunch of different tools that you can build the right loadout. Um, and you figure out what works for you as you go. It might make sense for you to switch up for a different type of weapon when you get closer to a boss than it does earlier in the game. So it's it's less about make the run with this one weapon and more about what type of um, upgrade path are you going? Are you going down the brutality? Are you going down tactics? Or are you going down survival? Yeah, I don't okay. know if you'll stick with it, Jacob, or not. 
But uh, I don't know when it comes up, but there are eventually things called colorless weapons where you basically you pick up a legendary item and it's just like whatever your highest stat is will we'll change this weapon to it. Ooh. So it's always just super, super, super good. Um, yeah, if it was me, I would say take one in green because it gives you the biggest health boost. Put everything else in purple because that purple is your sinew slicer and your crossbow. And just find a weapon that's purple um, and, and get your, I'm telling you, you'll get your first clear. And then you'll like the game and we can be best friends again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't dislike the game, you know, because I usually go like Assassin's Dagger, Blood Sword, uh, Twin Daggers. But you're like, those are those are weapons for, for kids. Well, no, no, it's just... It's tougher because you're picking weapons where you have to be up close to an enemy, right? Like the Assassin's Blade, its benefit is it gives you a critical hit when you stab someone in the back. So you have Mm -hmm. to be rolling around them and you need to make sure they're not facing you um, or you're not going to do optimal damage. The uh, Twin Blades do very shallow strikes very close to the enemy and do a lot of them. And each one of those strikes is not especially strong to begin with. So I think you, you're just ending up picking weapons that require you to be closer. Whereas if you had done, I don't know, maybe a whip where you're a little bit further away, where you actually have to optimize for being further away, because mm-hmm. the whip will do critical damage when the tip of the whip is hitting the enemy and not anywhere in between. Um, so if yeah, maybe if you pick a weapon that, uh, that's optimized a little bit more for, uh, you know, maybe I don't have to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys spent a lot of time using these, but one of my absolute favorite weapons for way too long was the magnetic grenade. Um, it was It's a grenade that when you throw it, ends up grabbing everyone in this field and pulling them into one area while it electrocutes them. And mm. it was just such an amazing tool for me. When Whenever anything felt a little too hairy or people were too much on me i could just drop it they were all pulled away i could disengage i could get some space while it also did a bunch of damage um it was just one of my favorite tools and i think now i don't like it that much but where i was in the game at that time it was just absolutely perfect was there any weapon that stood out to you of like this is oh this is my favorite i I know adam's sinew slicer i'm sure absolutely anything else uh i really liked the electric whip early on because it, it, like I said, it's that whip, so it's like mid-range, but it would shock enemies around who you hit. So you throw down a sinew slicer or whatever. So they attack that item instead of you. You stand behind it and whip them. They all take electric damage. Um, I also really enjoyed the uh, the big boy sword. The ma- I don't want to spoil things. There's another. There's an extra cool big boy sword at the end of the game, but the broad sword was really fun for early on because you just run at someone and just whap and they're gone basically right away. It, but aren't you afraid that then like you are stuck in that animation? So like it's so you, big. It, the, yeah. the sword it is massive. Like you got him. It hits so hard. Yeah, yeah. And you can I, roll out of the animation, so it's not a big deal. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, Jacob. What weapons did you love so far? Um, I, I use a lot of the wolf trap actually. And I think that that maybe doesn't benefit me given like the fact that I'm using wolf trap and then swords, like I should be doing wolf trap and crossbows or, or just bows instead. Uh, but I use a lot of grenades. Sometimes I carry two sets of grenades. So I'll carry like an ice and a fire grenade or I'll have the, cause there's a grenade, the infantry grenade. I'll also have that one. Cause it, it just does a little bit of damage, but it like moves the enemy back. So you can like start a combo after that. So I would say like wolf, uh, wolf claw, and then a lot of grenades is typically what I carry. Maybe I should be varying it up a little bit, but I typically don't use shield. Like it's usually either two swords or uh, a sword and a, and a low level bow. 
I absolutely loved the symmetrical blade. Um, That's the one I was we, talking about, the big boy sword. <laughs> the big boy sword. Um, it, you know, let's, you know, we're in spoiler territory. It is the, yep. it seems like the weapon that the final boss uses, mm-hmm. um, in your first run. And then you get to be able to use it. And it's just this giant blade that it moves kind of slow, but the combo is pretty great. And it hits a good distance on both sides of you. So it's, if, as long as you don't get hit during that, uh, animation, it is hard for it not to, to clear the room for you. Yeah, Jacob, um, it's basically Thanos' sword from Endgame. Oh, that's what okay. it is. It's You're massive in two sides. It's great. It's very good. It's very, very good. I, I like that a lot. I think the thing that I didn't love about it is it was survival. It was green. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, I think, the one time that, that I completed the or The one time that I completed the game and got my cell, um, I had a, a green run. I was running on a survival build. Um, but any time since I've been really focusing on the other items because they just seem a whole lot better. But um, I don't know if you guys got a chance to use the katana. The katana, Hattori's katana was fantastic. It you know does really good quick jabs, but if you hold on to it, your player teleports across and through the other enemies, and it's basically a critical hit, and they just they disappear. Um, the Hayabusa gauntlets I thought were pretty fun. Um, it's basically infinity gauntlets that you just run up and punch someone and they dissolve. Um, there were some of the powers I thought were fantastic. There was one, one's called phase where it just pulls you behind the enemy and you can do whatever you want to them. Uh, and there's another that it looks like the power from the the guy in the clock tower, the clock tower Mm -hmm. boss, where you just dash across the whole floor and it, basically attacks everyone that you've run across and if you press it again it brings you right back so it's it's great for mobility and it's you know just a great thing to add damage on top of it i as you can tell i love the variety of weapons in this game because Mm -hmm. it just if you scale it the right way if you pick the right um if you pick the right mutations or the right uh upgrades it's such a power trip you just feel like no one can touch you and that you've got like an, an ultimate build. Um, what mutations high. did you end up using? Not not to not to ask for your the, the keys to your strategy here, but I would always pick the same one and it would be basically the equivalent of Death's Defiance. It's like three yes. words. I can't pronounce it. Um, but that's what I would always pick. And maybe I shouldn't be using no, that one. No, that's time. absolutely the right one you to said. pick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely the right one to pick. And then um, if you get Porcupack, which is one that I liked a lot, it was if you put a weapon in your backpack uh, and you roll through an enemy, it'll do mm-hmm. the base damage of that weapon to the enemy. Mm. Um, so, you know, as, as you're rolling through enemies already, it just does extra damage on top of it. I would always run the Death Defiance. Yeah, that's what I'm calling it, too. I would do Vampirism <laughs> and then I would do uh, I forgot what it's called, but it's Necrophilia. like support. No, no, I don't have that one yet. It was the support oh, okay. where it's just like your skills do an extra 15% damage when you're next to them. It's like, well, I'm always next to my turret, so it just does more damage. Yep. I think that one's just called combo. Yeah, I don't it know what be. it is. It's combo breaker, uh, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, vampirism is very nice, if you, especially if you're trying to always, you know, you always need a little bit of health. Yeah, this it's called Igdar Oris Leox is what that one's called every time. Yeah, that uh, that was that was one that I always pick. Um, 
what else stood out to you guys? Were there any weapons that you thought were just way too powerful? Uh, were there any enemies that you thought were just absolutely beyond <laughs> beyond your comprehension for how to get through? I do, but it's a tangent, so I'll I'll let Adam maybe go first. I'll just say I unlocked it recently. I really like the tentacle. Man, that's a fun one. Um, and I found a shield that was a colorless shield, and whenever you... It, I, this one I started learning like, oh, I need to parry. Or for this run, I'm going to parry. So not only does it, when you parry, it gives them back all their damage. It also had a push on it. So no matter what, I would hit them and they would literally just go back 10 feet. So it's just like, oh, I can just run at people with a shield and just never <laughs> take damage and push them off the edge. That one was really cool. But that one's just randomly in the level. So I don't yeah. have that one unlocked yet. And when people fall off the edge, they almost always die. It's yeah. such a such a great way to easily clear a room. My tangent is actually the animation. Um, you said the thing that really stands out. Um, this game is beautiful, even though it's it's simplistic. And I think it's because of the... I was doing a little bit of reading, and it sounds like they modeled it, the um, character models in 3D, and then brought it into a 2D uh, art pipeline. Mm-hmm. And that just gave it a very distinct look. It It almost feels and looks like it's not like super high frame rate, but it is. And I, I can't describe it in any other way. It's beautiful. It's like it's like what if claymation was was high speed? I I totally agree. It felt it feels so smooth when you play and it never feels like I'm dying because of, you know, a lack of frames or something. Like I can I feel like I can see the frames, feel like I know when I'm in invulnerable in or invincible and when I'm not. Um yeah, just felt super smooth the whole time. And it looked mm-hmm. just looking great the whole way through. I feel like we've talked about everything but the runes. Um, Mike or, or Adam, do you want to jump in and explain what those do? Uh, yeah, I can do that. Runes yeah. are permanent upgrades to your character and your abilities. So when you start the game, you find these little little towers and you go up to them. They kind of look like sarcophagus or sarcophagi. And they just shake when you touch them. But eventually you'll defeat an elite enemy and you'll pick it up. And it's like, oh, I can teleport now. And then those are used for teleports. So you can get across a level. There's one where you ground pound and then you can break certain floors. I think the first one, the major one you get is the vine where you can make vines out of the yep. ground. And the last yep. one I got was the spider one, which I had to go oh. out of my way to figure it out because it's not, you have to go a certain way. It's not hard to get, but you have to know which way to go. And the spider one is just like, oh, I can literally just climb up any wall. Like you run up a wall and then you stop and you stick. So then you can jump back and forth and you just, you can just sit on a wall for as long as you want. So, um, and then also de- a detaching your head is, is also a rune. So runes are just like, here are permanent abilities. This is the Metroidvania part of it. Where it's like, hey, you have an ability that will allow you to unlock an area you could never get to before. And mm-hmm. it is it is really the thing that makes you feel like there's so much more in this world, even in your early runs that you just can't do yet. Like you don't have access to. And you know that like once you move into the next zone, you'll never be able to come back. So there's got to be something that you get that changes it from here on out. There's like some mystery you have to figure out. And for me, the absolute game changer was the the spider room, the room that allows you to climb walls and, and jump from one to the next. Um, because it not only gave me way more flexibility in fights um, and gave me more ability to ground pound the people below me, um, but it just opens up all of these spaces that, that you didn't know were there and Frankly, to me, it feels like this game has a couple of different like phases. It almost feels like until you collect all of the runes, you haven't really finished the 
the tutorial in a way, right? It's like that's how you get to 100% power. And then it's completing your first run. And then from there, it's getting to, you know, the 5 BC run where you've completed everything and all the different biomes. Um, but yeah, those runes gave me such such a high feeling because so much of the game was like, this is unaccessible by you. And then it just give, it's, it's just like that feeling in Metroid. I only got the vine rune, so I think the by that estimation, I've really only scratched the surface. So the teleportation rune would get me access to like tons of different biomes, and then there's another one. The spider room also gives you access to a bunch of biomes. So I think from what I've heard, I I really have only scratched the surface of this game. I think you're gonna have a very I don't want to say very different experience, but you're gonna have a much more enjoyable experience when all of those things are open to you. And they start clicking. Yeah. Uh, bosses. Uh, they look great. They're very big. They're very difficult. Um, did you have a standout boss? Like I said, I only saw the concierge, so probably not fair of me to, to talk through that. Uh, Mike, favorite boss? Um, favorite boss has got to be... I think it's Conjunctivius, which is that, that eye that Adam was describing. Uh, but I always call them conjunctivitis in my head. Um, <laughs> and he's basically an eye um, with chains and he slides around the room and spawns a bunch of people to fight for him. Um, and a lot of the time it's these like tentacles that pop out of the ground. Um, so once you, again, just like any other enemy, once you figure out how to fight them, it becomes very quick, very easy. But before that, it's just so frustrating. So I think it was one of the most rewarding to just get through. For sure, that's a solid one. That that's my that's a guy I just beat, and he was he was a lot of fun. Uh, I like Timekeeper a lot, and this is one I haven't been to, but I saw the videos, and I'm like, that seems very cool. I'll just say the giant. Ooh, I don't. I have not even seen the videos for the giant. Looks real cool, and that's okay. where the story stuff kind of like really comes to a head. He Gosh. looks so much different than all the other bosses too. Mm-hmm. Because he's like a big, big skull boy. And I feel like a lot of the other characters don't get distinctive faces like he does. Mm. Is that the guy that... So I've, I have seen some videos where you're about to fight the Hand of the King. And this giant fist comes up from the ground and just crushes him. Um, is that is that the giant? So the giant is when you fir- your first run ever, when you get into the room and there's like the chopping block and you go on the body. On the left side of the screen, there's a big old giant skeleton. That is the giant. You eventually will fight that guy. Wow. Yes. Man, this game has so much in it. Mm-hmm. That's where the big twist comes in the, at the end of the game, too. It's really cool. I can't uh, there's wait DLC. There. There's DLC, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. There's What you'll find is, as I think you're going from the first or, yeah, it's either the first or second biome, um, you'll find a room with... Um, a dead prisoner's body. You open, you know, you rifle through it. It pops out a key, and there are all of these Venus fly traps that you have to bounce off of to get higher and higher up. Um, and I did that multiple times, hoping that I'd be able to get in, but I do not own the DLC, so I have not been able to experience it yet. Sounds like you need to be a buy. There's also like a streaming mode in this game too. I don't know if you guys dove into that at all. No, explain it. So there's a little uh, add-on or like. Uh, way to use the PC version where in streaming mode you can let your chat affect the the world and the game uh, and they can put get like, out of here really yeah they can they can use 
uh, essentially they can be like a partner for you in in the chat and you can like spam certain words that'll have an effect on what happens in the in the world so um something that you should definitely check out after this that's pretty amazing yeah i wow i'm so impressed that i i feel like that's got to be something that's coming down the pipeline more and more and more i know amazon was creating that lumberyard engine to, to directly tie into Twitch and do more of that. But I have not really seen games that do that. You yet. thought after Twitch played Pokemon, like that would be a big thing that would constantly happen. And truly it's not been a thing yet. Yeah. So yeah, outside of telltale games, I don't know any games that really do the Twitch integration stuff. I think from this stage, I think what's, what's fair is for us to kind of talk about the, the story. So if you're still listening and you don't want the end of dead cell spoiled, uh, you might want to skip ahead just a few minutes um, but we're going to spoil that story. So please, uh, Adam, uh, I think you, you watched a video on this just recently. Spoil it. Spoil it, baby. Yeah, I will. I'm the guy who doesn't care about spoilers. I'll spoil anything for myself <laughs> just because I want to know. Um, I do want to get to this point in the game myself. So the story is whatever you, you're going through this kingdom. There was a disease called the malaise. That is what caused everyone to turn into these monsters and these zombies and all that stuff. That's why everyone looks weird and is acting weird. So you get to the end of the game, the king's in his in his castle, and you fight the hand, the hand of the king, and then you stab the, stab the king's body. You're like, I'm going to end this. I'm going to get out of here. You stab him, his body explodes, and then your body explodes, and you go back to being a little squishy guy. It's like nothing <laughs> happened. And then you drop down and back, and you start all over again. You're like, what happened here? But then I believe this is where the giant's body disappears from the left side of the screen. Uh, you go back, you play the game, you go through it. This is where you figure out you got to do um, get boss cells or whatever. So you got to keep going through the game, keep going through the game. You learn about like so, uh, like the timekeeper, like all the all the bosses in the game are people who, who worked for the king at some point, right? Uh, so you can with the game. Oh, that makes sense. The yeah. concierge, the timekeeper, mm-hmm. conjunctivitis. <laughs> yeah, he was he was basically the king was going crazy and uh, basically destroyed his realm to not to hope the disease didn't get out and make things worse. But he went crazy and everyone turned on him and everyone turned into monsters. So you go through that. You get through all your, your boss cells or whatever. You keep fighting him. You're like, man, what's going on? I keep fighting him. So when you go back and fight the hand, the king is, I believe the king's dead, like destroyed. But you just keep fighting the hand anyways. Uh, you go through your boss cells, da 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 You get to the, the end of the game. And with all your boss cells activated, I believe this is the point where the giant becomes activated. Mm-hmm. And you can go and fight the giant now that you have all five boss cells. So you've beaten the game on the five difficulties. You go and you fight the giant, whatever. You go through all that. He basically, you've beat the giant because, again, he was the king's, like, number one warrior guy. And he's like, oh, you've defeated me. I'm sorry, my king. You know, I failed you. And it's like, oh, shit, your character was the king the whole time. Oh, like, Your squishy no head dude way. is the king. Um, wow. So then you're like, oh, shit. So then you go back, <laughs> you fight him again, um, and then you are, the timekeeper is like, hey, you're messing this up. You need to stop. And she creates a little time portal, and then you get knocked into it. And she's like, oh, shit. You go through the game one more time. You're, oh, the king's old body is back. Um, And there's a whole thing. Okay, my bad. So the body's back or whatever. That's, but before that happens, you go to the top of the tower in the observatory, and you have to fight this guy. Um, I forgot what his name is, but the guy who collects the souls from you or the cells from yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the actually super the alchemist. Weird, like buggy guy with a big thing yeah. on his Yeah, back. he's yeah. actually the alchemist. Okay. So he was one of the people who worked for the king, and he made a cure from all the cells. 
that cures the malaise. And he uses it on himself and you got to find him. He's a bad guy, <laughs> whatever. And then you eventually get it for yourself. So you get it for yourself. You go back and you go fight the king or fight the hand. You kill the hand, inject yourself with the, the cure and put yourself back into your body. So then like you're whole again and you've reset the timeline because the timekeeper offered up and let you reset the timeline. And then he's sitting there with his wine and he's like, man, I'm bored. I liked it more when I was running through the sewers and killing stuff. And then like, there's a bunch of like glitching on the screen. And then like another version of you, a glitchy version of you from like a weird timeline comes. And then you like clash with your old self in your body. So I think I explained it. Okay. I kind of went all over the place, but I kind of got there. You were the king and then there's a time glitch. And then you can go become the king again, and then everyone glitches out. Like, when you do the co- the time glitch, the girl who shows up at the very beginning of the game who's like, here's the tutorial. I'm the good knight. She shows up again. You're like, you haven't been here for a long time. You've been gone. But, yeah, you're the wow. king, and you do a time glitch, and you fight yourself at the end. That's unreal. Yeah. And that's not even the DLC. So, I don't know what happens in the DLC. Yeah. yeah. Okay, speaking of the DLC, have you guys watched any of the trailers for this game? I have. Great. They are amazing. Yeah. Like, they are... Like I would watch, I would watch those having no interest in this game, like no connection to it at all, just because it's amazing. Like filmmaking, it's just so well animated, so well put together. Um, yeah, just for me, it's one of the really like standout pieces. Um, and I was watching the trailer for the DLC, and it's in that exact same vein, exact same style. It's made me want to get that DLC even more. Mm-hmm. And the DLC is, is relatively cheap. Like, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I'm into this, there's a bundle where you can get, like, the DLC and the game for just a couple extra bucks. So if this is something that you think is going to be enjoyable to you, uh, you may just want to grab that bundle that has both. Yeah, and I would say, like, you know, I think I'd mentioned this at the top. This game has been getting continuous updates and balance patches. Um, so it, it's continuing to get support at this point, what, f- yep. four years after release, essentially? Mm-hmm. Um, there, There's a lot of support here. Um, and it's actually one of the things that made me realize I was playing the game wrong. Like, I was looking up tier lists of, you know, what weapons were the best and what skills and abilities and powers and only unlocking those weapons and leaving everything else, like, at one cell to unlock it. And then what I realized is, like, no, just, like, unlock everything, have access to everything, because eventually these developers will figure out a way to make mm. every weapon viable. With, with I love, like, walking patch. after every run, and you just see, like, the glass bottles on the ceiling of every single thing that you've collected through the game. I think it's, it's super cool. Mm-hmm. So nice. It's such a, it's such a great, like, little little treat. I love all of the different like characters who are there that like oh there's this tailor who's going to help you put on the different outfits that you unlock um there's the the different modes that allow you to just go in and fight a boss battle or do a run with limited health um and limited weapons Mm -hmm. there's also the custom mode which i think is really interesting like if you've unlocked a bunch of weapons and you're like oh i'm not having fun with this i really just want to do a run practicing these weapons and these abilities that's a ruin you could right? go into the custom mode and only have those unlocked i think it's it's through a ruin. it might be it's on the start menu yeah so th- there's so much packed into this game um it feels crazy that i've put in what feels like a lot of time and have just barely scratched the surface which i guess like hey that's what a roguelike is but this just feels different it feels like there is so much there to to unpack 
And um, even though I keep going through the same biomes, I'm never really getting bored of it. So I need to know, are you going to like continue playing? And if so, how, how long do you think you're going to keep at it? Yeah. So, you know, I think we had talked a bit about this when we were doing Hades that like, Hey, like I think you and Mo said, Hey, you know, definitely going to continue to hop in here and play it pretty casually um, just because it's a good, good way to pass Mm -hmm. some time. I feel like for me, Dead Cells is that game. Feels like there is a much bigger delta between someone who's bad and someone who's good. Um, it feels like there's always room for improvement, and it feels like I'm always learning new things and experiencing new things. And then most of all, it just requires the least attention from me. Like I, I feel like I can just get into a flow state and just crank out biome after biome. Uh, I think I need to give this game more of a chance. I think when I came in, um, I was ready to maybe not necessarily write it off, but I think that I was. I'm like this this is a good game. I recognize it's a good game. It's maybe just not the game for me because it is more soulsy than I'm used to. But I think what this conversation has shown me is that maybe I do need to spend a little bit more time looking at some tier lists, seeing what weapons are best, watching some YouTube videos, and maybe taking another crack at getting past the concierge more than once. Yeah, I think you make a couple of tweaks in your build, the weapons you choose, and what um you know, what scrolls you pick up. And you'll make it way further than you ever thought possible. And it's it. I remember the first time I beat this, the first time I beat Dead Cells, I texted the one friend that I knew was also playing. And I was like, I beat the game. <laughs> like, I did it. I beat Dead Cells. And I had no idea that, like, I beat it on the easiest, <laughs> the easiest difficulty level, I guess. Uh, and that there were so, so many more levels to go. Baby mode. Adam, what about you? Yeah, I'll keep playing it for sure. Like I said, I'm very interested in the DLC now that I've played a lot of the game. Again, I haven't beat the game technically, but yeah, I'm having a great... Like you said, I was listening to a podcast while I was playing the game because it's just, you know, uh, you can just do a run, get through a biome, and then just stop, and it saves you in that little in-between space. So you can just pick up and go anytime. I like that in a, yeah. in a roguelike. So yeah, I'll definitely keep it yeah. installed on the Feel Xbox. Like, yeah, there's so much so much to, to gain from it, especially... Um, I think one thing that we didn't talk much about is just how dense some of the text and the effects on each weapon or ability can be. Um, and I know it was something that really frustrated me when I started looking at the game. But once I once I deciphered it, once I figured it out, I was like, oh, like this is really cool. This is really easy. And I just can't wait to, to do more. Yeah, of this. this game so. does this DPS and then causes bleeding. And then this is the speed of it. It Yeah, it, it, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Yeah, and it's not stuff that you really appreciate until you try different play styles and mm. see how they work. So, Jacob, I think you're actually going to love this game when you get a little bit further and unlock all of the runes. Um, it'll give you an experience that I think you'll be able to engage with a little bit more. Okay, well, as we close this out, Mike, here's my promise to you. I promise that I will spend more time with Dead Cells, and I promise that I will text you and let you know if I beat it. I can't wait. It's what gonna, do you want me to write the text happen. message saying? What does it need to say? It happened in all caps and then Done. the Ron Paul gif. Done. Ron Paul gif? Yeah. Please it's help happening. me. You know, the it's the old man like with his hands above his head. Like, it's happening. Oh, yes. This one from CNN. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. With the, with the green lights. Yes. The one exactly. that kind of looks like Ian McKellen, but it's actually Ron Paul. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, any other <laughs> final thoughts y'all want to share about Dead Cells? <laughs> Adam, what's better, Hades or Dead Cells? 
Mm, that's tough. They're both just as good. I don't know. It's the thing. It's like, do you want narrative or do you want gameplay? Because one is really good at one and one is a little bit better than the other. So uh, Yeah, I think it's very fair. I, I think it's hands down that Hades is better at like telling a narrative story in a format that I don't think is like really designed for a narrative story. Um, and I think Dead Cells just has way more variety. Um, and, and that brings more options to, to it, more options to the table in a, in a game that's designed around randomly mixing them all up. Well, Hey, that was our roguelike month. We played two great ones. Um, Adam, thank you so much for, for coming on today, talking about dead cells. Uh, if folks want to listen to you and all the things that you do, uh, where's the best place they can do so? Best place is Adam Gumby on Twitter because all of the links to my other stuff are there. But Respawn Aim Fire, ECG, and Isle of Misfit Rolls are the podcasts that I do. Check them out and let me know how you feel about it. Where's a good place to start for all of them if people want to want to add one to their podcast cues? Oh, boy. Uh, Respawn Aim Respond Fire, our episode. Yeah, Far Cry 6 review, Respawn Aim Fire because Jacob's there. So, like, perfect a good, spot. A Just good go discussion. from there and go on. Yeah, we had a great time. I talked way too long about a game. We were like, this is pretty good. And we just went for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. This is fine. Yeah. An hour later. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then your D&D show? Yeah, I'll miss it. Rolls start. At, there's a recap halfway through. The season one's almost over, actually. So maybe lift, listen to that on 1.5 speed and then get ready for us to go to season two in January. We're going to start live streaming. And them. then, oh, you're live streaming. Where are you going to live stream them? Twitch.tv slash uh, you check my Twitter for later because I don't know what it's called. <laughs> and then uh, ECG is like a casual show. So just grab the latest episode probably, right? Yeah, that works too. Cool. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, you're a, a valued member of the Left Behind Game Club community. So uh, thank you for, for coming on the show today. Um, it was great to have you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it a lot. I really do. Uh, you can find all things Left Behind Game Club at Left Behind Game uh, at Left Behind Club on Twitter, at Left Behind Game Club on Instagram, and on our Discord at leftbehindgame.club slash Discord. If you like the show, do us two favors. Uh, send it to a friend because that's how you hear about podcasts and give us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, you can find me on the internet at Jacob McCord on all major social media platforms. I host another show called Cutscenes. It's a video game movie podcast that releases seasonally and uh, season three is going on right now. So check that out on all major podcasting platforms. Michael Ruffalo, uh, tell folks where they can ah, find you. Well, the fine people can find me online at Ruffalo M on most social places. Um, also, if you want a little surprise, post um, post the podcast as a recommendation in a lot of those you know forum, message boards, Reddits, etc. Because um, I found one on I think both Resetera and NeoGaf the other day, and my like my heart just like stopped, and I was like, oh my god, like someone in these communities that I've spent basically my whole childhood growing up like hanging out at like listen to the podcast and recommend it so like that was so heartwarming um so yeah do that and then i'll respond and i'll be like hey thank you so much um in addition you can find me in the discord where i will hang out and fight off uh metal gear nerds with spoons um because <laughs> yeah they're they're monkeys that smoke and they don't know what good anime is um, he drinks a Coke. The monkey drinks a I'm Coke. Sure, yeah, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. Um, but yeah, <laughs> catch catch me in there with Adam fighting off some Metal Gear nerds. Uh, Michael, uh, let's close off the show with your oh-so-famous saying. And that, my friends, is one less game left behind.
Hey, I'm Jacob McCord. I'm Katie Lesbrance. And I'm Travis Colnett. We are hosting a brand new podcast called Cutscenes. There are tons of video game podcasts and tons of TV film podcasts, but we're going to bring you the intersection of both and talk about video game, movies, and TV. I know what you're thinking. Aren't most of them not very good? Wrong. Some of them are fine. And we're going to tell you all about them. Make sure to subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice. Follow us on Twitter at Cutscenes underscore pod. And most importantly, give us a listen. See you soon. Cutscenes, a video game movie podcast.